we are in this third week of our misquoted, misunderstood series where we're talking about things, we're looking at things from, from the Bible, or maybe they're things we thought were in the Bible but weren't, that have been misquoted and misunderstood. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Instead of looking at a verse or a passage of scripture that's been misquoted or misunderstood, we're going to look at a premise, uh, a line of thinking that I think has been so prevalent that it's kind of bulldozed over Christian teaching and scripture itself. And uh, to the point that I think a lot of Christians believe what we're going to talk about today. A lot of people have kind of said, yeah, I can, I, I buy into this. I, I, I can do this. And, um, and the premise is this, that uh, it doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. This is a premise that a lot of people have kind of bought into, have just kind of agreed upon, whether they admit it or not out loud, but there's this misunderstanding that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone else. As long as it doesn't bother anyone else, it doesn't upset anyone else, as long as it doesn't turn the world upside down, it doesn't matter what you do. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, then it's, then it's okay, then it, and it's a pass, and, and you can take it and run with it. And this is a line of thinking that's just kind of run over Christian teaching and Scripture. And I want us to look specifically at what the Bible does say, what the Lord does speak to us today. And I'm just going to go ahead and put the word out there, and it's a word that, that we don't like to hear a lot, and some people try and say that the Methodists don't talk about enough, but it's this three-letter word called sin, And in regard to this, we take this misunderstanding and we think as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, someone else, I can do whatever I want. And inevitably, this ties into sin. It's always going to come back to something to do with sin. And I can't get into your head and I can't get into your heart. And so I have been praying that this morning that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to each and every one of you individually about this word, sin. To see if we might need to recognize some things in our life that we have been maybe just kind of glazing over, maybe running past. Because maybe somewhere deep down we've thought to ourselves, it's not hurting anybody else. It doesn't really matter what I do. It doesn't really matter what I think. It doesn't really matter how I act, as long as it's not hurting someone else. And so if there was ever a Sunday where you say, this is not a feel-good message, it ain't a feel-good message. But it's a, it's a good message. And not because I'm the one up here delivering it. But because it deals with the heart of who each and every one of us are. And so I want us to jump in today on this, that we need to recognize up front, first and foremost, that it does, in fact, matter what we do. It does matter what we do. It does matter what we think. It does matter how we act. It does matter how we respond. Even if we don't see a ripple effect, it does matter. It really, really does. And I want us to kind of narrow in and kind of jump from this point and kind of look at three specific ways in which we've allowed or a lot of people have allowed this idea, this premise to take hold. So I want to to narrow it in a little more specifically. Kind of, if you want to think about it, it's kind of three cultural yet accepted things in the church that have become misunderstandings about sin today. And let's look instead at what God says. So the first misunderstanding 
jumping off of this is this, just the basic. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I'm, I'm just really not a bad person. And, and a lot of people, you know, I might make mistakes and I might mess up and I might really regret some things that I do and say, but I'm not a bad person. And, and we would like to tell other people that too. You're not a bad person. But let's just really get down to it today and just understand this. We are all bad people. By our very birth and our nature, we are bad people. We are people in need of a Savior. If, if we weren't, then why did Jesus come? Why did God send him? Why did he die? Why did he, why did he raise up on the third day? Why did he present himself? Why did he perform miracles? Why did he do these things? Why did he tell his disciples to go out into the world and preach this message? Why would we need a Savior if we weren't in need of a Savior? And folks, the reality is, is that you can tell yourself you're not a bad person. But each and every one of us, at our core, are bad. And we need a Savior. And I'm sorry if that offends you. But I would rather you be offended by it here than for you to just go about your business and assume that you're not a bad person and never realize that you need Jesus Christ in your life every day. Not when you were 13 and ran down the aisle just that one time. Every day we need Jesus. Because we are a bad person. Here's what 1 John 1, 8 says. It addresses this. It says this. If we claim we have no sin, if we claim we're not bad, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. The only person that you are fooling when you say the words, I'm not a bad person, is yourself. Scripture shows us that we are lying to ourselves and we're not being truthful if we try to say, hey, I'm, I'm not a bad person. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. We don't, we don't need to deceive ourselves. Now, we can always find someone who is worse than us. Let's go ahead and put that out there. There's a good chance that someone's sitting either to the left or right of you. Right now, you might go, I think, I think they're worse than me. Now, there's no need to point. No need for that. We can always find somebody worse than us. Some of us have kind of made this a career. You know, this is kind of what if we major in this. And we're not even in school, but we like I, I'm so much better than them. We can always find somebody who, by what we see and how we watch and how we listen, we can go, oh man, I'm so much better than they are. But the reality is, and when we just really boil it down, I want you to hear this, please. Other people are not the standard by which we should gauge where we are in our lives in, in regard to good, bad, sin, forgiveness. Other people should never, ever, ever be the standard, ever, in regard to how you, are, how you view your standing with God. Ever, another person should never be. I don't care who they are, how awesome they are. Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Shannon Pat, no. No. It doesn't matter who the person is. Your sweet granny that memorized the whole Bible. Another person should never be our standard. 
and going, well, you know, compared to Joe Ed, <laughs> I'm a pretty good person. <laughs> Romans 3.10 says this, no one is righteous, not even one. So who are you going to set your standard by? Another unrighteous person? No one is righteous, not even one. You're not, I'm not, and this has become a huge misunderstanding. To just go, you know what, I'm really not a bad person. Next week as we conclude this series, we're going to take this, this idea today of it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone, kind of that idea, and we're going to kind of expand it. And next week we're going to talk about it doesn't really matter what you believe. And this is where a lot of people find themselves is, you know, if we all just believe, it doesn't matter what I believe because I'm not a bad person because what I've chosen to believe tells me that I'm really not that bad or it really doesn't matter if I'm bad or not. So we're going to talk a lot about that next week. But this is a huge misunderstanding, this idea of, well, I'm just not that bad. The standard is not another person. It's God's laws. It's God's guidelines. It's his precepts. It's his words. It is the word of God that becomes the standard in our life. That is the only standard that you and I should be um, looking at. It's the only standard that should measure us. Now, you, you become a part of the body of Christ. You become a part of a community of faith. And you bet, hopefully, there's going to be people around you going, um, listen, I've been looking at what God's word says and I'm, I've been seeing what's going on with you and I'm concerned that these aren't lining up. And, and we should be able to do that and not be offended by it. Because that's why God gave us to each other. See, a lot of people want to go, I'm not a bad person and I'm only going to talk to God about this. This is just going to be about me and him and no one, else can, no one else gets a say in this. And that's not the way the Christian community was built. That's not the way that Jesus set this up. We're supposed to be in relationship with each other. So the first misunderstanding is, I'm not a bad person. Here's the second misunderstanding about sin, and it's this. And this is where we can go, hold on a minute, Shannon, but I, l- hear me out. And it's this, all sin is the same. You've probably heard, you've probably said, sin is sin is sin, and it's true. It is. Sin separates us from God. Sin of any nature separates us from God, and it has to be dealt with. Thank God, you can actually say that in church, thank God that forgiveness is offered through Jesus Christ, that new life is offered, that redemption is offered, that grace abounds. Thank God for that, that that covers sin. That a truly repentant person, and see this is where it comes into play, that when we are truly repentant, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God is the most, I believe, in the most powerful force on the earth. Because what else can change a broken person and make them whole? What else can change, take a broken relationship and make it whole? What else can take someone who, is, who is, seems like a lost cause and, and make them into a champion in their faith? I don't know of anything else. A repentant person. And so when we say this, this thing like this understanding, this misunderstanding of all sin is the same, it's a misunderstanding because of this. Some sins, and gosh, I don't want to give a license here, but I want to address it. Some sins have greater consequences than others. And Paul actually kind of clarifies this for us. But let me give you an example of this, of, some, of sin having different consequences. 
you are seven years old and you're at the store and you swipe a Jolly Rancher. That's stealing. And that's sin. You're 37 years old and you decide to have an affair. See the consequences are a little bit different there? Our sin, all sin is sin, but sin has consequences. We have earthly consequences to our sin. And if we don't deal with this, if we don't repent of this and allow God to forgive us, there can be eternal consequences to our sin. But we need to understand, and the reason I point this one out particularly is that a lot of people, and it, it kind of piggybacks on the next point I'm going to make, but a lot of people think, well, sin is sin is sin, so I can do this tremendous sin, and you can't talk, you can't, no one else can talk to me about it and, and try and help me about it, and don't even tell me what God wants to say about it, because it's just the same as if I took the Jolly Rancher. And the reality is, is no, it's not, because the consequences of swiping a piece of candy and the consequences of you destroying a family or another family or both families and children and friends and all that could come with something like adultery is huge. And it's so much different than a green apple Jolly Rancher. I just picked that one because that's my favorite flavor. We all need a Savior. You see how we keep coming back to this? We all need Jesus. We all need him. All of us need him because we're all bad. <laughs> we all sin. We need a savior. We need a savior. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians six eighteen. Here's where he kind of clarifies the difference about uh, different consequences for sin because he gets really specific in 1 Corinthians 6. He says this. Here's a particular sin. Notice it doesn't say Run from taking a piece of candy from the store. No, Paul says run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. See, Paul is saying there's sin. There's sin out there. But this one in particular, run from it. Because no other sin affects your body the way that sexual sin does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And guess what? When you're married, is that just your body? See, it's a, it's a ripple effect. I mean, all sin is sin. All sin separates us from God, for, and we need to repent of it. We need, we need to accept the forgiveness that comes from that. Thank God for it. But we need to understand that there are consequences for our sin. And to just brush off a, a major one and assume that it's not going to have any consequences and there will be no fallout is an absolute farce. You're fooling yourself and nobody else. How we live, what we do, it matters on this earth. It matters in eternity. And this line of thinking leads us to this last misunderstanding. I said it piggybacks. So the first misunderstanding, recap, is I'm not a bad person. Newsflash. Yes, you are. So am I. Um, we sin, we all need a savior. Number two, all sin is the same, and actually it's not. Sin carries consequences as some are greater than others. Here's the third big misunderstanding, and it's this cultural lie, and it says this, and this is the one where we, like I said, it piggybacks on the other one. Here it is. Since I've already done it, I might as well keep on doing it. Did it once. I know it's bad, but I already did it. So I guess I'll just keep on doing it. 
I mean, I'm not a bad person. I mean, in all sin is sin, so I mean, I know this is huge, but I mean, see the line of thinking? I've already done it, so I might as well do it again. And the list of when we can fall under this lie could be so long that we would not have time to cover it today. From the smallest things to the greatest. Paul asked a very pressing question in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, talking about, and he just gone into this in, in Romans 5, just this incredible description, go back and read it, of the grace of Jesus Christ, of how God restores humanity through Jesus, the great grace of Jesus in our lives. And then he says this in, in verse 1 of Romans 6, he says, well then, see the well then is what he just said in, in chapter 5, that's what I say, go back and read it. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of this wonderful grace? Should we just keep on doing it then so God can keep on pouring out this great grace he just told us about? And the answer, of course, is no. But some of us are going, well, I already did it, so I might as well do it again. We, sh- we, shouldn't, we shouldn't test that. We shouldn't, you know, how many times do we continue going back into something that it actually hurts the heart of God? I mean, it doesn't just disappoint someone that you know. It doesn't just make them cry. But it actually hurts the heart of God. And how many times do we run back to those things that we know hurt the heart of God? And we go back to it again and again and again because I already did it once. So I might as well do it again. And it's this tremendous, just horrible misunderstanding about who God is and how he desires to be in relationship with us. Should we keep on sinning? I mean, God's going to forgive me anyway, right? It's this line of thinking. And we shouldn't. We, We should know better than this, but... God has something better for us. Every time we choose sin, just remember this. You're rejecting something better that God had for you as you chose to walk away from sin. I promise you. Every time we choose to sin, we are not just sinning. We are are full-fledged rejecting what God had for us as, as a promise, as a hope, as we said no to sin. You think about that. And so when you think about sin and we think, oh, yeah, that was bad, and oh, I hate that, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, and oh, I hope that I don't do that again, but I probably will, but oh. We're not only dealing with that, but every single time we're rejecting God, rejecting God, rejecting God. I told you this wasn't a feel-good message, but it's a good message. We need to hear it. We need, I, I was praying over in that corner in the last two songs, I was praying that the Holy Spirit of God would lovingly convict each and every one of us in here this morning for those things that we've said, I'm not really a bad person. It doesn't really matter what I do. I mean, I'm not hurting anybody else. You know, all sin is sin, so I can do these big fat ones over here. Because it's just like, you know, me exceeding the speed limit, Right? And I've already done it, so I might as well keep on doing it. It really is, I think about this, I really think it's a tragedy how many people call themselves followers of Jesus and yet consistently walk back into the same sin over and over again. 
walk back in, rationalize, justify. It's not that big of a deal. Who are you to judge me? The defenses go up. And here's what's really scary. When we, when we continue in sin and we don't realize it, it's, it's, so, it's so scary because we end up being these walking bodies of misery. And I think some of the most miserable people in the world are not the people who are lost and have yet to give their life to Christ. I think it's people who have and yet who are continuing to revisit sin time and time and time again. People of, people of God who have the connection to Almighty God, creator of the earth, the one who has bestowed grace upon grace upon grace in our lives, who knows us better than we know ourselves, and he still loves us anyway, that God, and we, can, and we'll, we say, yes, oh yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, yes, I know he died for my sins, yes. We've wept over the sins that Jesus has died for us. It's pained us. And then we walk right back into it again. And we end up being some of the most miserable people walking around. And it, it really, I, I can't think of another word besides tragedy. People who, who know there's something better and yet continue to reject the will and the way and the promise of God. People who know that freedom is available and yet throw the shackles on. And I sure don't want you to go around feeling guilty. But we all need to recognize this. And here's, think about this for a minute. Sin is a very, very progressive thing. Sin is not something, it is, it is alive. I mean, it's all about death, but sin is alive. Sin grows really good in a dark, hidden place. Just like a nice fungus or a mold will. Same thing. Sin grows really well in those dark, hidden, shut-off places. And then we close the door and say things like, I'm really not, I'm not that, I'm not bad. This isn't hurting anybody. And it grows in there. And it's a progressive thing. It will not go away on its own. No matter how much we shut it up, no matter how many misunderstandings and misquotes we throw on top of it, it's just going to stay there. And it's going to grow. And the only thing that uncovers that, the only thing that brings life, the only thing that cleans up that kind of a mess is for us to be people of God who say, I'm throwing open the doors. God, shine your light in this. Shine it in bright. Every crevice, every corner, every place it could get, show me. And that's, that's what I was praying back there. That's, that's what I mean by I was praying that the Holy Spirit of God would lovingly convict you today. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God would shine the light in those places that we, I'm throwing myself in here, have shut up. We have closed up and we've kept it dark and damp, you know, just like a perfect Petri dish for sin just to do its thing. It grows. But when we confess it and we bring it to light, that's when the light of Jesus sets us free.
Sin will take us further than we want to go. It'll cost us more than we ever want to pay. And some of you right now, you're going to say, well, it's not that big a deal. It's really not that big a deal. I'm really not a bad person. And sin is sin is sin. So you know what? I'm cool. It's not hurting anybody else. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you continue to live in sin, you will, if you haven't already, you will, con- you will considerably, and it will continue, you will lose intimacy with God. You will lose that intimacy with God. It will get greater and greater and greater. The distance will continue to grow because I want to tell you this, sin and the holiness of God do not mix. You, you can't make a cocktail of it. It's not going to work. It cannot, it can't happen. The holiness of God and sin in our lives cannot mix. Eventually, something's got to break. Something's got to give. And I just wonder how many people are choosing to be broken instead of being brought back to life. It breaks that intimacy with God. And suddenly, you know what? When we don't have that, guess what happens? Suddenly, we're not as sensitive to his voice anymore. I've been praying to God, but I don't hear from him. Well, maybe it's because you've got a ginormous, like, football field-sized Petri dish in the dark, and you're not letting God have anything to do with that. Of course you're not going to be able to hear his voice the moment he says, Hey, hey, stop that. We lose intimacy with God. We lose that. We're not sensitive to his voice. We're once, you know what, we used to be able to hear him in, a, in, in a, just a split second. Should I? Oh, no, I shouldn't. (laughs) You know what happens after that? Is not only are we not as sensitive to the voice of God, but then our heart hardens. I mean, I'm no dummy. I know that I'm standing up here right now and I'm speaking, and to some people, what I'm saying is just, it's just bouncing right off of hard hearts. I know it. And so I've prayed, and I will continue to pray that the Holy Spirit of God would lovingly convict and shine the light into those dark places so that she would recognize these things. She would allow Jesus to come in and, and, and redeem your life, to pour grace upon that brokenness, upon that shame. The very, the very best news I could tell you today is this. And it's that Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. And aren't you glad of that? I am. He is a friend of people who have broken the heart of God. He befriends people who have nothing for them. Nothing. Nothing going for them at all. And all they, had, all they did, when you go back and you read the stories of Jesus engaging with people, is they just listened he is a friend of sinners and when you see yourself as such when I see myself as such and I see that I need a savior that is the very best news we could ever have I mean Jesus told us he said that he is the way he told us that he is the truth and he told us that he is the life that's how he described himself when you think about that for a minute, Jesus is the way out of sin. Jesus is, is the truth that sets you free from lies. Jesus is the life where death has just been having its way. This is who Jesus is. He is the way out. 
He is the truth against the lies, and he is the life against the death, the death of sin in our lives. And some of us, I think, if not all of us, we need to recognize that we, we can be so easily trapped by this, so easily trapped. And we might say to ourselves, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, I'm not a bad person. And it's a lie. It's a lie. For us to believe that, it's a lie. We need to recognize we're trapped. We need to step out of sin, and we need to step into Jesus. I mean, think about that. Step out of that, step into the light of Jesus. We need to step into his grace and step out of that bondage that we were in. We need to, we need to step into his power instead of just being just just destroyed and weakened by, by the chains, by the snares of sin in our life. We, we, need to, we need to step out and step into that power. We need to step into his love. We need to step into the power of his transforming love in our lives, that goodness of Jesus Christ. I'm so very thankful that Jesus is bigger than my sin. Doesn't matter what it is. Whatever the sin, however great, no matter the consequences, the earthly consequences of our sin, Jesus is bigger than that, and I'm so thankful for that. He's bigger than that. And we looked at 1 John 1, 8 earlier. It says if we claim to be without sin, we're only fooling ourselves that the truth isn't in us. Well, here's what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news for people who, who go, oh, I do sin. Oh, I am bad. Oh, no. I, you know what? These, there are consequences for what's going on in my life, and I shouldn't continue in it anymore. If we confess our sin, he is faithful, and he is just, and he will forgive our sins. And not only that, but then he purifies us from all that unrighteousness. Jesus always makes a way. Every single time. There's always a way. None of us are trapped. None of us are closed in, so much so in that darkness that there's not a way out. He always makes a way. And that's how good Jesus is. He's the way, He's the truth, and He's the life. Would you pray with me? Father, You know my prayers as I was getting ready for this message. And um, Lord, you know the heart of each and every person in this room. You know how open it is to you right now and you know how very hard it could be against you right now. You know. This isn't a witch hunt this morning, God. This is a, uh, I hope it's a, a loving yet firm reminder to your people 
that you desire for us to live a life of holiness, a life of, of repentance, a life of confession, a life seeking forgiveness, a life that offers forgiveness. And God, I just feel as if so many of us, myself included, have, have had these huge misunderstandings about where we truly stand with you and how we stand in, in, in comparison to another person. And the reality of it is, Lord God, that each and every one of us, we need you. We need the forgiveness that you bring, Lord God, through Jesus Christ. We need hope. We need grace. Speak to the hard hearts right now, Lord, I pray. the quiet is so uncomfortable <laughs> we thank you for the love of your son Jesus and it's in his name we pray amen